I am Erica. I am Kevin. I am Giovanna. I am adventurous. I am dreamer. I am creative. I am wine. I am dance. I am entrepreneur. I am musician. I am privileged. I am activist. I I am am podcast. Learning. Growing. Inspiring. Michael Jackson, The Temptations, Luther Vandross, Bobby Womack, Patrice Rush and the Pointer Sisters, Daft Punk, Chicago, Luis Miguel. If you've heard any of these artists, then you have heard the sweet sound of today's special guest. Recognizing that he wanted a career in music early on in his musical training, this incredible musician set his sights on accomplishing just that. And what a career it has been and continues to be. Known for his rhythm guitar playing style and groove, this superbly talented and humble artist has played for audiences around the world, from presidents to church congregants and music lovers everywhere. While studying at USC, he quickly became known as one of the hottest session guitar players in Los Angeles, boasting a prolific 40-plus year career in music and television. I guarantee he's on your playlist. Please join us in welcoming the soulful Paul Jackson Jr. What an intro. Wow. (laughs) That was amazing. Gotta take you around with me. (laughs) We will be your fan. We will hype you up. Your hype folks. (laughs) We're good hype men. (laughs) And women. (laughs) So welcome so much. We are so excited to just sit down with you and get to know you a little bit more. I've had the great, great pleasure of working with you for many years now uh many 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 i know i know well you know let's not let's not let's not tell the people how many too too many (laughs) (laughs) well we we did the oscars together so that that's all that matters that's all that matters (laughs) yes that was the latest yes the latest and the greatest but i would love to just hear a little bit about you and if you would just bless us with a little bit of your your backstory where are you from how did you come up what well how did the guitar just you know come to be your instrument and we would just love to hear a little bit about that well let's see uh first of all good afternoon uh grew up in south central los angeles and uh i actually wanted to go into aerospace engineering like my dad wow wow and i studied guitar took some guitar lessons from a guy by the name of gary bell and when i was 15 there was a switch that went off that said hey i think i want to be a musician So I stopped all of my math science classes and replaced them with music classes. And my current boss at USC, Patrice Russian, happened to live down the street from me. Amazing. So, yeah. So she kind of took me under her wing. And then there was another guy by the name of Jerry Peters, who actually is Patrice's cousin. He's the one that wrote You Got Me Going in Circles and Burning Bush and a bunch of stuff for a lot of different people. Jerry introduced me to Greg Parade. So I was studying with Greg, studying with Gary, started going to the University of Southern California when I graduated from high school as a music performance major. And I stayed there for a couple of years and and the Lord blessed. And then I was working in Patrice's band and doing demos and working with a guy by the name of Frank Wilson. And Frank Wilson was at one time one of the number one producers in the world. He was number one in the U.S. and number one of the number ones in, based on songs out and, and, and chart position. So he started using me on demos, demo recordings, demonstration recordings, and then started using me on records. And so the thing that the things that converged at the same time was you had Frank using me on records, 
Uh, you had Greg and people like Al McKay and Lee Rittenauer, Ray Parker Jr. recommending me for things mm. and playing in Patrice's band. So all these things kind of converged at the same time and uh, started working in the L.A. studio scene in the uh, late 70s. Yeah, so that's, that's you know, so I wasn't far from home. I was about 10 miles from home, but, you know, a world apart. And, you know, I just, the grace of God allowed me to play the guitar and still doing it. So uh, I'm trying to think if I left anything out. No, that that's pretty much kind of where I'm from, actually. So what was that switch? You said you were studying engineering. What was that thing that made you think, I want to go into music? I don't know. To this day, I couldn't tell you. Wow. Now, the way I started playing the guitar, interesting story. I wanted to play drums. Hmm. And uh, we went to Gardena Valley Music. I'll never forget on on uh, Redondo Beach Boulevard, just west of Vermont. <laughs> Are they still wow, there? I know. I'm like, wow. What a, that's impressive. This is 100 years ago. <laughs> and in the window, there was a metal flake blue drum set. Mm. And I remember it was $369. And my mother said, well, that's not going to happen. It's just it's not going to happen. So we went inside the store and she said, well, is there anything in here, anything else in here that you think you might like? And there was a $20 guitar hanging up. So... That's how I started playing the guitar. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yep. Economics sometimes puts you right in right And did no. you uh, did you pick it up immediately? Like when you picked it up, was it something that sort of resonated with you? Not immediately. It took a while. I mean, guitar is funny. Guitar is one of those things where, and I realize it now, where you're going to sound pretty bad for about the first three, four months. It <laughs> just is part of it, you know, because, you know, it's not like playing, you know, a lot like playing the piano. It's not like typing. It's like your hand is like this and you're pushing on pieces of wire. And, mm. and you know, you would be able to relate to this because being a cellist, you know, you're yeah. pushing on pieces of wire. Now, fortunately, do you ever do triple stops? I mean, I can. Yeah, I can. Yes. That's why she could do triple stops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is a bad woman she's she, she's okay just let you know that's why she can do triple stops maybe you can't but she can okay. <laughs> great endorsement look i'll give you a quadruple stop if we, if we really need oh. one so you're playing you know you're playing these chords and trying to play them in tune and trying to get all the notes to ring so i tell people i said listen don't worry about it you're going to sound bad for a couple of months but just stay with it so that's the thing about the guitar that i think is is kind of frustrating so once you get past that, you're okay. Once you play a nice, open, good-sounding C chord, mm. you know, and a good-sounding G chord, a good-sounding D chord, and a good-sounding open E major, E minor, then you start to get encouraged. It's like, okay, now I can do this. Yeah. And then you're off and running. But it takes a minute to get to that point. Wow. So, no, I didn't sound great immediately. It wasn't that. <laughs> Well, like three, four months. It seems like three, four years. If I, I was know. trying. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> I, I'm, exactly. <laughs> now, 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 that brings up an interesting point because music is something that you never master. Mm. Never, never, ever. There's always something to learn. I tell people, okay, if you took on the jazz side, Pat Martino, Wes Montgomery, and George Benson, and Earl Clue, you could put him in there too as well, the, the jazz. If you took on the nylon side, Christopher Parkening, and Earl Clue, for that matter, uh, the Pepe Romero. If you took on the rock and roll side, people like Joe Satriani and Steve Vai and Eddie Van Halen. If you took on the country side, people like Joey Gatton and Chet Atkins. And if you took on the non-traditional side, people like Derek Trucks and, and folks like that, and we all play the same instrument, 
then you realize that you will be learning this thing for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. There's always mm-hmm. something to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guitar player. You should check him out. Uh, he's not that well known. His name is Doyle Dykes. And in terms of flat picking and acoustic guitar playing, this guy is an unbelievable beast. And one of the nicest people you ever meet. But his name is Doyle Dykes. Pull him up on YouTube and, you know, you've heard of Tommy Emanuel and you've heard of Chad Atkins. Doyle Dykes is the guy you need to check out. So you have all these people playing the same instrument you play and you realize this is something that I'm never going to master. So once you're okay with that, then you just keep learning. You're the eternal student. Yeah. As you always should be. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And there's just all these different styles of of playing. And that's one of the things that I feel like it's so funny that you say you're never a master because I really do feel like you're a master. You can go in and out of so many different styles and and sort of you're playing a, a jazz tune over here, but then you can also play a country tune over here. And I mean, that was such a demanding thing or one of the things I think that happened a lot on American Idol. Right. You had to just be able to switch in between tunes and go back and forth. Right. And be convincing. Exactly. Mm. Right. <laughs> what I, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you're not going to master. Well, I should say master anything, but you can be very convincing at a lot of things. Yes. And what I tell people is that, you know, like, you know, people would walk up to Ricky Minor and say, man, you guys make this look easy. And the response is, well, you know, we work really, really hard to make it look easy. And that's the response. I mean, you know, like speaking like, okay, cello for a second, just from the standpoint of there are no frets on a cello. If I jump an octave, it's always going to be from there to there or there to there. Always. Every single day. Twice on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> on a cello, okay, you got the C in tune. Now let me make sure the octave's in tune. You got one shot to get it right. So you got to make sure your finger is not too far to the up, not too far down. It's right there. And you might have a micron of a millisecond to slide it in if you're a little under or slide it. Yeah. But in general, you don't. So, you know, every instrument has its idiosyncrasies, but that's why I say, you know, it's like when I see you guys play, you know, when I see um, Charlie Bergeron or, you know, or Ron Clark or, you know, or you or anybody pick an instrument up with no frets and play it in tune. For me, that's a miracle. Yeah. Mm. And, like, okay, they, they, and the response is you guys work really, really hard to make it look easy. It's so true. You know, and that's I feel like that's always the fight of the musician. It's people don't understand. You know, they. They so undervalue what they're getting in the moment, not realizing how long it took to get to that moment. And it's 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 the constant sort of elevator pitch that you have to give. You know, I've studied this for years. I nobody else can do it like this. I mean, this this happens constantly in negotiations, you know, when we're happy with our contracts with TV and film and everything. People don't understand. You can't just sit down and play this stuff, read it immediately after just a few years of practice. It takes years and years of practice and training and and hours and hours still after you've done the training to continue to be able to do that and i i just absolutely amen right Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be be convinced yeah right and let's say okay the well i don't want to tell you the most expensive guitar is but if i wanted to go out and buy a great guitar that i could record with tomorrow i could find one and it might cost me at the high side you know, four or $5,000 at the high side. <laughs> if I wanted to find a recordable cello. Good luck. Good luck, first of all. <laughs> and what are we starting? Maybe 25, 30, 40, 50 grand? 
For sure. I mean, something that you'd want to be able to not just record, but concertize, go and play, and that would actually carry to a back of a hall. Absolutely. 20, right. 30. And we're talking about one instrument. And that's not including the bow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you got a book. Are the bows still made out of Pernambuco? The best ones are, yes. Okay. Yeah. I have a guitar made out of Pernambuco. <gasps> wow. Uh, yeah. Long story. How many guitars yeah. do you have? Ooh. You're recording this, so I shouldn't say. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I probably have about 32. Wow. How many of those do you play consistently? Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, about 12 of them. 12, 13 of them. Wow. <laughs> do wow. you name them? Do they have names? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Your main girl doesn't have a name? <laughs> <laughs> My main girl does have a name, but it would actually hang on a second. Don't go away. <laughs> Uh-oh. What's he doing? What's happening? Stay tuned, folks. If we only had this on video now, the anticipation is killing me. Oh, no, we lost him. All right. This is my. Am I still there? Yeah. She's a beauty. This is a Paul Reed Smith JA15, which was my model or is my model from Paul Reed Smith. And it was designed by Paul and myself. Wow. And this would be my baby. So, mm. wow. What kind of process is that Pretty. to design a guitar? Trial and error. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were going for a specific sound. We were going to match or beat the sound of a 1959 Gibson Birdland. Mm. And uh, if you know David T. Walker, if you've ever seen him like years ago, the guitar that he played was a Birdland on all the hit records that he played on. And so that's what we were going for. And I, I think we matched it or beat it. Wow. So, in this case, we had kind of a goal. We had a benchmark that we wanted to hit, and we exceeded the benchmark, so it was it was a good thing. That's okay. about how long did it take? Oh, about a year. Okay. Oh, about a year. I was thinking more. Oh, okay. About a, about a year, mm -hmm. I think. Wow. Yeah. Now, is that the Pernambuco one? No, the Pernambuco one's a different one. Okay. That's something that Paul made. He made 25 of them. Wow. Wow. So it's rare. Yeah. That's a... He made 25. And uh, yeah, I have one of those. It's yeah, that one never leaves the house. There are a few guitars that never leave the house. Why yeah. is that? Just because, because they're irreplaceable. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This one doesn't really leave the house. Well, this one doesn't leave the the city. You know? <laughs> 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 the uh, Pernambuco guitar never leaves the house. Wow. Now and then, I know that there are different styles, right? Like, I mean, in terms of nylon, I really don't know about this because cellos. We just have well, we don't have just one style of string, but we we stick with one. I stick with one style. With guitar, it's it, it's very different, right? Having nylon as opposed to steel string. Mm -hmm. Do you have a preference? Yeah. In terms of, I think my preference is probably nylon string just because uh, when I was studying with Greg, I actually got pretty good at um, classical. Actually, I got very good at classical. Mm. And the cool thing about nylon string guitar, what I tell people is there's nothing, there are no crutches. There's nothing to lean on. It's you some strings and some wood and that's it and you know you it's incumbent on you to figure out how to make it sound good huh. and to play it in tune as well so does so, that not have frets oh it has frets oh, sure it has frets. okay but still you know because it's not there okay we have things on electric guitar called compensating bridges and i can show you what it looks like oh, should be videoing. it's this thing right here and i'll describe it 
you know, is what happens is for intonation purposes, you can slide the bridge up or down to get, get the, the guitar better in tune. Mm -hmm. Well, to a certain degree, you can do that when you're designing a nylon string guitar. And there's certain little tricks you can play with the bridge. But in general, you know, what, what you make is what you got. And uh, you kind of have to figure it out and adjust your tuning and adjust your pressure and whatever to make sure that you're playing it in tune. Yeah. Incredible. Amazing. So, so touch and feel is everything. Touch and feel is everything. And sound, yes. And sound. <laughs> so going back to when you picked up guitar and, and started playing, who was your biggest musical inspiration? Who did you look up to playing guitar? Obviously, you know, like my teacher, Gary Bell and, mm -hmm. and Greg, mm -hmm. and then it would have to be uh, George Benson, Lee Rittenauer, Ray Parker Jr. and Earl Clue. Wow. Those four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Those are my first really big or big influences. And in terms of learning, I, I was just amazed just with the repertoire, the people that you've played with. You're obviously just, as you said, a student, you're ever learning. Where does that come from? I mean, when you're practicing the things that you want to learn, it just seems like you have this long list that you're just so joyful about of trying to get to next to, to, to learn. Like, where did that come from and how, how do you kind of schedule it all and work towards it? You just keep your ears open because you'll hear something on YouTube. I'll hear something on a commercial. I'll hear something on a record. I'll hear a sound or a solo or an approach or something. And you go, man, how does he do that? Well, how does he do it well? Well, who does it better than he does? You know, uh, one of my favorite guitar players, I have a few, but one of my new favorites is a guy by the name of Isaiah Sharkey. He's been my favorite for, well, he's one of my favorites. You know, he and Eric Walls and a few other folks. But the approach is very, very different. Uh, how does he do that? How does he make it sound like that? And how can I make it sound like that? So there's, you know, just always something, always listening, always, you know, playing new records, playing old records, a lot of old records. There was a record I heard. Oh, Tyrone Davis. I'd like to start all over again. Baby, can I change my mind? Okay, now that record came out when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I never paid attention to the, attention to the guitar part. Hmm. One of the most interesting and probably most difficult rhythm guitar parts I've ever heard on a commercial record. Huh. Interesting. I mean, it's a fast song. It's an up-tempo song, and the guitar player is playing these triplet lines, and it's kind of like, how did he think of that? And how did he pull it off? Or you take a song like Clean Up Woman, a guy by the name of Little Beaver. You got those three interlocking parts. It's like, well, how did he think of that? You know, mm -hmm. you know, or a song by Stevie Wonder like Contusion, you know, that uh, Mike Zambello did. They wrote with Mike Zambello. It's like, OK, it's a lot of it's a lot of pentatonics, but it's also a lot of parallel force and things. And it's like, well, what made him think of that? You know, mm -hmm. or, you know, like some of the things that. Oh, and then there's a guy on YouTube. His name is Troy. Brenniger or Brennan Brennan Meyer or Brennan Meyer. Okay, his specialty is lap steel, pedal steel, dobro, things like that. Yeah. So see this guy do all these things. It's like, well, how does he do that? You know, and so it, it constantly causes you to like, mm -hmm. you know, stay in the shit and, and think about things and and keep pulling up music and keep trying ideas. And you know, in fact, one of my students today for his uh, recital, he's doing a transcription by Joe Pass. Mm -hmm. Well, it was a transcription that I couldn't find. Interesting. So he sent it to me and it's in this kind of obscure book that was only available in Japan and Amazon was out of them. And, you know, but he sent me, he, he sent it to me and it's like, okay, great. You know, so there's, you know, you hear people do things here, either on record, new records or old records. And you go, man, I'd like to learn to do that. So it's, hmm. it's just, all, you know, it's funny you say that 
uh, it what really pressured me to <clears throat> want to be better and, and, and dive more into the guitar. So Giovanna, by way of Ricky Minor, years ago, purchased a guitar for me for uh, birthday. And uh, I have to say, I played it for a bit. And like you said, it was twanging, just didn't sound right. And I kind of put it down. But then a few years later, our daughter, uh, who's an incredible singer, was at this summer camp. And um, there was an, a guitar player that was accompanying her. It was Greg Perret. And I was sitting there. <laughs> I was sitting there just trying to pay attention to my daughter singing. And I hear this tone and this incredible sound come from the speaker. And... I don't walk up to people, but I just was a fan. I walked up to him and I said, right. do you give lessons? Because I need lessons from you. And it, well, here we are three years later. And you yeah. know, <laughs> I found out that he was, you know, your, your instructor as well. And it just, he just pulled me in. And that, that was the question, I guess. That's what happened. I, how did he make it? How does he make it sound like that? Yeah. How I was does at he the play like with, that? Uh, with Nick Cooper? Yes. yes it was yes, a yes, New yes. Cooper Academy. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. 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 But yeah, you oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and that's the thing is you hear somebody just, you know, make a sound, you go, Wow, how did he do that? Like for instance, my love affair with with the music of Earl Clue was the fact that I was studying classical and from a contemporary set standpoint, is he made the guitar make sense. Mm. So it's kind of like, okay, I hear the sound, but then he's playing something that's a traditional on the instrument. And, you know, for me, it's like, okay, well, this opens up a whole new range of possibilities, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. with the same challenge as a classical, you know, piece of wood, strings, and you having to make the thing sound good. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Do you ever, so, I mean, obviously knowing so many people of, of the, the guitar players that, that have influenced you or the, these new sounds that you find, do you ever actually reach out to them and ask them like, hey, can you... Tell me how you did that, or is it usually more of a of sort of a mind game for you where you try to figure it out on your own? And when I'm trying to learn something, I grab the YouTube video and I slow it down, or I'll <laughs> you know, figure because I love figuring it out on my own. Are you that type of person that just figures it out, or are you just give me the send send it to me, or, or call somebody up and ask how did you do that? Oh, I'll call them and ask them how they did it. <laughs> Straight <laughs> up. Something that, that Sharky had played on Instagram, and I was like, man, that's great. So I texted him and I texted him and said, hey, man, how do you do that? How do you work on your speed? And so we talked about that for a minute, you know. Uh, for me now, it's easier. I don't take as much off of records because I have so many transcriptions that I got to go through mm. that I don't really take much off of records. But I do have a couple of really killer apps. Oh. Uh, there's a country app, there's a rockabilly app, and there's a shredding app <laughs> that I for my for my iPad. Okay. What and, are those? Do uh, share. Don't keep the secret. There's an app for everything. <laughs> 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 They're on this pad. Hang on a second. I think they should be. Now I got to flip the page of notes because after all of this discussion, <laughs> I have See, completely filled. Getting educated okay. right now. Right. I know we mm -hmm. use iReal Pro, but that's about <laughs> it. And are yeah. these apps specific to guitar? Uh, these particular ones are. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. This one is called Country and it's a German app. G-I-T-A-R-R-E. Oh wow. Okay. And they have one for country and they have one for rockabilly. It's okay, wait, it's gonna open. Ah, it's opening survey. So, oh great, here we go. <laughs> so this one is called and it's got playable and it's written in German, but that's okay because all the all the examples you can hear them. Oh, Rolls. 
Yeah. All right. <laughs> that style of playing, I can do pretty well. So do you, a, that sort of teaches you that style? How to. A lot of styles. Like, let's see, let me get another one here. Okay. Here's a better one. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it plays slowly as well. Oh, that's funky. I got to get that. Oh, my favorite. Yes. yes. Wow. My favorite function of the 21st century is slowing, slowing things down. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not above using amazing, amazing slowdowner and, you know, things like that. And then the other cool thing is um, I'm in a band with Jeff Lorber and Everett Harp. And uh, the band's called Jazz Funk Soul. And, you know, we did actually before the COVID, we were going out just about every other weekend uh, doing jazz festivals and things. And we did a record uh, last year called Life and Times. It came out about a year and a half after my last solo record, which is called Stories from Stompin' Willie. So I joined the band and Jeff's music, a lot of it is really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I practice is Jeff's music. <laughs> and it's all on my iPad, all the charts. And he writes great charts. And a lot of the stuff I have to slow down because uh, there's a song called The Underground. Mm-hmm. And let's see if I can find Man, it. Man, I would love to see one of those charts. <laughs> I'm I'll just send it to you too. Let's see. Oh man, you just made my day. I feel like I just won the lottery. Because <laughs> I'm just getting into that. You know, after working with Greg for for years, now we're at the point where we're we're, we're analyzing music together, and right. uh, that is, you know, I mean, sometimes I just got to step away and get the oxygen tank so I can like regain <laughs> consciousness. <laughs> but it's, uh, I love it. So in this tune, he's got this solely that is, I don't know if you can see it. A yeah, little a little bit. But it's really, really hard. It lays great on the piano, uh-huh. lousy on the guitar. There's so you many know. of those situations with cello <laughs> where you just know the composer wrote the whole thing on a piano and you yes. know there was nothing, no thought to exactly how the instrument really technically worked <laughs> so and are all these record your record have you recorded with this band i mean this band has oh, oh yeah, yeah you said you just released an album oh yeah we released year. one about a year ago okay i just sent it to i just sent it to Giovanna. Yay. okay perfect thank, thank you, you i'll so pass much. it on yeah, mm. yeah that record is called life and times life and life times and, time. and then you time. have yeah. a few solo records under your belt i do i have actually seven and yeah, the last one was stories from Stompin' Willie and Stompin' Willie was a nickname given to me by George Duke. So it's kind of a tribute to him. And we I wanted to ask. Kevin I, brought this I up don't before know, the interview. It's, it's, yes. <laughs> I, I did he's a little been bit dying to ask. I, I've heard so many people you've brought, brought that up. But is do you have the backstory behind that? Where, where did Stompin' Willie? I love. I want to hear more about that relationship. But I have a friend who plays. He loved George Duke. Sounds like a great story. Yeah. Well. First of all, I got to tell you about my chair. <laughs> I don't know if you can see this. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. But this is a chair that I sat in every day I worked at George's house. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And it's, not, it's not fancy, but it was my chair. Yes. It was my chair. Not fancy, but it was my chair. So the name Stompin' Willie came from 
well, George was just funny. It's like I'd come in and he'd call me PJ, which is something that only my family used to call me. Uh-huh. Pastor called me PJ. Um, people, you know, his family called me PJ. So he started calling me PJ. Then he started calling me PJ Wiggles because he had a song called Wiggles. <laughs> <laughs> then he started calling me PJ Wigglestomp. PJ Wigglestomp. <laughs> and he just shortened it to Wigglestomp. Then from Wigglestomp, it went to Stompin' Willie. I love it. <laughs> and that's, that's what stuck. Stompin' Willie, yes. I love it. That's amazing. That's great. That's yep. so great. That's so great. Stompin' Willie. Yeah. Stompin Willie. So, yeah, so the record is called Stories from Stompin' Willie. And uh, the next record that I'm working on now is called More Stories. Mm. And so, and how are the? How do you choose the songs for your for your albums? I mean, are these all originals? Are you doing covers? Are they tributes? And you said it's a tribute to George. So, well, the last one was a tribute to George. So, I did uh, two of George's songs. I did a song called Geneva. I did an old song that he recorded after he left Zappa called "That's What She Said," and then I wrote a song with Patrice Indugu and Byron Miller called "Dewilly Gonga." Mm-hmm. Now, Dewilly Gonga was his pseudonym that he used when he would play on other people's records. Interesting. Now, why would he not just use George Duke? I think because of label things and he didn't, he didn't like, he didn't do a lot of sessions for other people. So he just called himself the Willie Gonga. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a pseudonym? Stop it. Stop it. I love it. Stop it. Stop it. it. (laughs) I love it. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about uh, your process when working with artists. Obviously, we heard of your extensive resume and all the amazing artists you worked with. But is there a artist that sticks out in your mind that was very different and unorthodox as far as how you worked with them, their process? Uh, a few times, yes. Like, for instance, working with Michael Jackson, I did the solo on a song called... Uh, this place hotel. It was known as Heartbreak Hotel. Uh-huh. We covered that song. <laughs> yeah, but Michael actually sang the solo to me. Wow! Wow! Like this is what I want you to. This is what I want you to play. And so he would. A lot of the parts that you hear on all of his records, he would conceive and he'd sing them and tape them and give them to folks, or he'd pass them out at the studio. And so that was Incredible. his vocalizing note for note. Amazing! Wow! And um, you were able to do that just from yeah. Yeah, with the inflections and everything that he that he sang. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Uh, um, then you have people like uh, um, Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. And what Quincy does is he is a casting agent and he puts folks in the studio together and lets them start creating. And then once it gets to a point, then he kind of steers the ship and reins it in where he needs to and, and that kind of stuff. But he gives you a lot of leeway to be creative. Mm. Awesome. Uh, same thing with the Daft Punk guys. We would, you know, they'd come up with tracks. It's like, just play and play and play and whatever you think of, play. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, you know, on the Random Access Memory record that was Get Lucky and Life Back, Give Life Back to Music and a bunch of stuff. And then a track that I did with them later ended up actually, they collabed with uh, The Weeknd and the song I Feel It Coming. That's me playing guitar. Oh, wow. Oh, Amazing. Oh, you just heard that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did on, on Tracking Date that uh that when they were producing the record it's like i'll just come up with some stuff and so i did and then it ended up being that song hmm. Amazing. So it, it's different with everyone um some people like patrice russian she is really versed at writing stuff out so she'll write stuff out that she wants to hear uh or give you some ideas you know some people just say hey you know here are the chords you know here's the master rhythm come up with it 
uh, working with Gene Page was interesting. Ray Parker Jr. is the one that got me started working with Gene Page. And when I used to work for Gene, there'd be a master rhythm, which is, you know, uh, treble clef, piano part, bass, bass clef, bass part, uh, a little kind of abbreviated drum part. And in the middle of the stave, he would write these rhythms and he'd say guitar hmm. or, or Paul, because sometimes the date they're on the date, there'd be three guitar players. Hmm. So I asked him one day, I said, Hey, Gene, what makes you write that? He said, he said, Oh, well, I wrote what I thought Ray would have played. So his rhythm that he wrote out was what he would have remembered that Ray Parker Jr. would have played. And so, you know, so that's what he wrote out. So when I was playing, it's like, okay, this is, you know, what he thought Ray would have played. So, you know, so I would always first play what he wrote. Hmm. Amazing. So what about Stompin' Willie's process? PJ's process. Stompin' Willie's process, when I think (laughs) of solo music, guitar is kind of funny. It's not like the voice and it's not even like a saxophone. And it's not even like distorted guitar where there's like gobs of sustain. So my process is always what is a good sounding melody and what do I sound good playing? Mm. There are songs that are great songs that have good melodies. I just don't sound good playing them. Mm. So I try to come up with things that I actually sound good playing. And so it's a process, uh, process of elimination, even doing cover tunes. You know, what do I think I would sound good playing? Or, you know, you try things and, you know, maybe try the melody on it. Ah, that's not going to work. And then you try a song. The song may be more obscure, but it's a song that I'd sound better playing. Make sure you tune in next week for part two of I Am The Band with Paul Jackson Jr. Thank you for listening. Interested in starting your own podcast? Visit us at IamMusicGroup.com. 